Well, our numbers are down, but I'm glad we've got the downstairs crew upstairs tonight, at least some of them, the faithful ones. We're happy for you. Brother Josh is under the weather. He does not have COVID unless it's a false negative, he told me, but he's sick nonetheless and taking care of Courtney. She's better. She's maybe starting to trend in the right way, so remember them. Lon, it's so good to see you, young lady. You hear me? Something back there, that smile on. We're just so proud of that. She, she's, our, she's our newborn, you know what I'm saying? She's our newborn, and you, we, just, we just thank God for you. We certainly do. Someone else? I'm going to begin tonight reading verse 8, read down, but uh, we do our best, and that's all we're supposed to do. I, he, he led into this. Y'all, y'all, y'all ever heard of a man by the name of Joseph Prince? Print, print, Prince? Prince. Yeah. Well, he's a big dude, and, and over in, maybe over in Korea, Seoul, Korea, Saigon, Seoul, Korea, somewhere. But you know what, you know what he said? He says, when he's trying to figure out what the Word of God says, says he, doesn't, he doesn't use that hermeneutic stuff. He just tries to see what God speaks to him. Now look, folks, that's where we're at in this day. I mentioned Sunday something about experience in my message. People putting experience above what the Word of God says. We're living in that day. They're trying to change theology, and, and far too many of them are in a lot of these prosperity gospel preaching churches so we need to be aware of things we need to know this book as best we can chapter 1 of the book of Romans verse 8 and following down to verse 13 Paul said first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the world isn't that an amazing statement for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by any means at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that you may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Now, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oft times I proposed or purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I'm gonna I'm gonna use for a little heading for this passage of scripture, this section. We looked at the salutation of Paul last week. This is a continuation now of Paul's salutation. It doesn't stop until uh, verse 17, I believe it is, or 18, I'd have to look. But when we look at this part, I want you to think with me about a look into Paul's heart, a look into the Apostle Paul's heart. I love when I'm reading and studying the Word of God when, when Paul just begins to bear his soul. When he, when, when, when he goes below the surface of the man, Paul, to the heart of Paul. And you know what I believe? I believe that takes a strong person to let someone other than their self into their heart to bear their innermost being. And, and I'm glad Paul, and you know why I'm glad Paul does that? If I'm not careful, I'll put Paul and, and Abraham and David and, and a lot of these other folks are high on a pedestal. I'll forget that they're human just like me. And you know what God did? God took people just like me and you that were willing to deposit their faith in God and be willing to obey Him, and they used Him mightily. 
So we're glad for that. I, I, I love it when the Apostle Paul does. Now I'm going to back up and hit verse 6 and 7 just as a segue into this. And I didn't spend much time on this last week trying to move on, but Paul said, Among whom, also among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'll never forget when Christ called me into this marvelous grace. Does anybody else remember when he began to deal with you? Convict you? Aren't you glad for old-time conviction? You know what I told Lana the day that she got saved? Two Sundays ago, right? You'll be two weeks old in about four days, right? Isn't that right? She was sitting in there, and me and Debbie with her, and she was just weeping. And I said, Lana, I, I, I said, I'm glad to see somebody that's still sensitive to the Spirit of God. It cheers my heart to no end. It make, makes me glad. And I know God still convicts. I know God still calls men and women out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But like Horse Sitton told me, he said, Son, I'm afraid you're going to live to see a generation where the gospel will have little or no effect on them. And we're seeing that, I'm afraid. It was quite a prophetic statement. And he goes on to say, To all that be in Rome, I like this, Beloved of God, if you, you do a little study on the word beloved, look it up and see what it says. I mean to tell you, God loves us in a mighty way. But here's what I wanted to emphasize just a little bit. Called to be saints. Now, if you look at that, those two words between called and saints are to be. And if you look at them, they're in italics. Y'all see that? Okay. So it could be read called saints. Now, before I go on to my comments on that, What's important about the words in a King James Bible being in italics? Why are they there? When the translators, when the translators began to uh, translate this Bible, and I know that the King James Bible is a translation, but I refer to it as a Bible. I believe it's God's inspired, preserved word for this generation. I believe that with all of my heart. When the translators were bringing the Word of God out of the Greek into English language, any word, and this is how honest the King James translators were, any word that you see italicized in your Bible is italicized because, like Mark said, the, 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 the translators instituted or added it for the flow of readability or to make something a little more clear. So this could be read not taken away from God, called saints. Now that's important, folks. Look, if you would take your thumb and put it on the S in that word saint, you know what you got? An ain't. So here's my philosophy. You're either a saint or an ain't. That's pretty good, is it not? It's pretty simple. And God, listen, has called us saints. What does it mean to be a saint? What does it mean? What, what's the word saint mean? To be Set apart. To be set apart. Listen, folks, when we, when we are saved by the blood of Christ, when we're, when we're baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, not water baptism, but by the Spirit of God, we're no longer our own. We, like Paul said in verse 1, we're separated under the gospel. In fact, the Word of God says, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, which is the Lord's. It's not a question of whether or not we should be saintly, but that we are saintly. We've been set aside, we're set apart. And from that moment of initial sanctification, of God taking us out of the kingdom, 
Man, I didn't know I was going to get in this, but now I'm in it. I'm glad I did. Taking us out of the kingdom of darkness, put us in the kingdom of light. We're to work on our personal sanctification daily. Now, we're living in a generation, folks. I'm telling you, Jude said that they would turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And there's a lot of people, a lot of preachers that stand out a pulpit and say, look now, you're good as long as you trusted Christ as your Savior. You, you can drink, you can, you can commit fornication, you can smoke a little dope. Hey, can I tell you what? That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, come ye out from among the world, be ye separate people. Thus saith the Lord. If, if we, if we, and, and I'm tempted to, but I'm not going to. The first um, letter and the second letter Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, you look in chapter 6, read those and see what Paul says. Not now, but one of the, one of the phrases you'll see in chapter 6 of the first uh, letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, and such were some of you. And let me tell you, everybody look at me. Everybody look up here at me. Everybody looking right now at me, the pastor. Uh, I know it's hard, but everybody say, "Amen." It's looking at. Me. We're none perfect, okay? But we ought to want to be saintly, even when we're not. And though we're not perfect as a Christian, thank God we've got a perfect salvation. Glory, hallelujah! Because we've got one that's making continual intercession for us. Now, Christ didn't save us to be sinless, because he knew we wouldn't be, but we ought to sin less than what we used to. And it ought to keep growing that way until we're made like and unto him. But I, I want to emphasize that. Look, we're called to be saints. We, we ought to be as saintly as, as by the grace of God. And he said, look, grace and, and peace be unto you. Do you know nobody can have peace without the grace of God? If you look at the epistles that Paul wrote, he wrote 14 of them, I believe, with the exception of one. You'll find him mentioning that, and it's always the same order. Grace precedes peace, and it's followed by mercy. He doesn't always include mercy, but it does include grace and peace. Look at, look at verse 7. He said, now look here. He said, first of all, thank my God. When we look at this, as we go through this scripture, we're going to see the heart of Paul in these phrases like we have here in verse 8. I thank my God. Another verse says, I serve with my spirit. Another verse, he says, I long to see you. The last verse says, I propose to come unto you. Paul said, first of all, I thank God for you. Can I ask you all something just to make a good application uh, of this? Who do you pray for? Who is on your prayer list? Hey, I hope I am. And if I'm not, include one. You say, preacher, I've never had a prayer list. Hey, knocking on your door, start one tonight. I never will forget, y'all remember, y'all remember uh, 9-11, right? Everybody remembers 9-11. God convicted me on that day. I mean, I, I prayed for preachers. I prayed for friends and prayed for that. But I'll tell you what, I started a preacher's list on that day, and it has grown ever since then. I mean, I, I, I pray it every night. And I'm not bragging, I'm not boasting. I don't like to tell things like this when I'm supposed to on occasion for examples. But, but I'll go to bed and I'll be praying my prayer. And if I don't get it done, when I wake up, guess where I start? Right where I left. It's a good mental exercise. I don't want to get out of bed until I pray that prayer through. Hey, look, who, did, did you ever thank God? Did you ever thank God for somebody that prayed for you when you were lost? 
So, look, are you ready for this now? How many people that you know are lost are you praying for? Are you thankful for the one that led you to the Lord, that pointed you to the Christ? Do you thank God for them? Do you ever mention their names? I was under conviction one time. Debbie and I had, had bought a new home. We're at Bob White. I, I, was, I was a new electrician. We knew in a marriage of just second or third year. I mean, I'd, I'd been tearing up the ground in the backyard. Y'all heard me testify that. Debbie called and said, uh, Preacher, so-and-so's on the phone. And you know what? My heart skipped a beat. Now listen, I'm not criticizing him. I, I, he's a great man. He's done gone to be with the Lord. I love him. I'd hug his neck if, if he was here tonight. I thought, I thought, I wasn't where I ought to be, all right? This is pre-April the 23rd, 1974. God was dealing with me. And I thought, dog, he's going to ask me to come to, he's going to ask me where I'm not. And you know what? He said, uh, I know you just bought that house and you got a little bit of backyard you want to rent it out for a garden? And I thought, dude, you could plow my heart right now if you just knew. You could forget about the dirt. My heart was in shape to receive the soil of the Word of God. Never will forget how I went from, from total excitement when I heard His name wanting to speak to me to total just, just, I mean to tell you, just to the pits. Because He said nothing in that conversation about, hey, how are you and Jesus doing? Now, I'm not criticizing him. Do you hear me? I love the man, but it did disappoint me. You follow what I'm saying? So who do you pray for? Do you ever pray for your Sunday school teachers that, that, that used to put up with you? Give you those cards, do those flannels, graph, you know, stories. Wasn't those the best? Somebody ought to, re- I believe you can make money, friend, if you'd resurrect flannel graph. I really do. Do you Really? Somebody, I, you know what, I'm a, I, if I, I might ought to learn to do a lesson up here some night on flight. All jokes aside. I mean, I mean, do you ever pray for the preacher that's preaching your salvation message? A preacher, I don't know what he preached. Didn't you remember somebody preaching? You, you understand what I'm saying? How's your prayer life? Paul started with, in this, he's still bearing his heart. In his sal- he's beginning to bury his heart as he continues his salutation. He said, now look, right here on top of the list, first thing I want to do is thank God for you. And what's the word that he says I'm going to thank God for? Some people? Everybody. Let me turn this around. Ever thank God for an enemy? You ever thank God for sickness, problems? Now, the Bible tells us to give thanks in all things. I'm, I, I had so much hope getting through these few verses tonight. There's this guy, I don't know, I, I've told you the story of this so good, let me tell you to you again. He, it was back in when there was no air conditions and buses and cars and homes and whatnot. It's in the middle of summer, and this guy was, he was catching him a bus and was going home. And he said, Lord, listen, he said, please let me get a, a seat that's all by myself next to the window. Lord, please let that. Well, the bus stopped, he got on, started walking down the aisle, and about three or four seats back, there was an open two seats and a window was open. He said, oh, thank God, thank God. Well, the door in the bus shut, it started pulling out, and somebody beating on the door, and there was a woman smoking a cigarette, hefty woman, by the way, carrying a baby. The baby was crying, and she was blowing smoke. There were other, there were other empty seats on the bus, she come walling back to the back, and 
saw that one seat set down right beside of him, and she was so big, some of her went over in his side of the seat too. She was just talking, and the baby was crying. And the Lord said, look, you remember that scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all things for this will of God concerning you. He said, Lord, what world have I got to be thankful for now? He said, be thankful she's not your wife. No, there wasn't a chance encounter. But anyway, I thought y'all would like it. I figured it would be worth the time. But we ought to be thankful. And he said, I thank God for all of you. And look at this. That your faith is known throughout the world. You you know what I want to say about that? Wow. Now, when he's talking about the world, he's talking about the known world at that time. He's talking about the Roman Empire world. The world ruled by the, uh, the Roman Empire. And there wasn't much outside of the boundaries of that east and west of that day and of that hour. They had pretty much conquered everything that there, that there was. But that got me to thinking. That got me to thinking. What do you think we're known for here at Roxalana? I mean, people talk about us, good and bad. Y'all do know that, don't you? Good and bad. I mean, what do, you, what do you think we're known as? Is our faith? Is our faith is what people talk about? Is it just our building? Is it, is it the gospel we preach? Is it ministry we do? And, and look, what would you like? What would you like for people to say about us? And I want to hear from you. If, if, if there was one thing, say, look, if, if we could parcel something out, and if our... If our um, um, what's it called? When somebody has something people talk about, what's it called? Well, thank you. That's exactly the word I couldn't think of. Reputation. What would you want our reputation to be? What? God first? We preach the gospel? Faithfulness? Spirit filled? Man, all those are good. Christ-centered in this day. I like that one very much. I like the rest of them too. I like it. But we're known to something. Biblical. I like that, Greg. That pretty much takes care of everything. I wrote something when I, you know, I'm working on a commentary through this. It's up on the internet, by the way. If you want it, you can download it. What people say about any fellowship of faith is determined by the life of by the life lived and the worshiped offered by those who make up that particular body of faith. I'm putting the onus on me and you. It's more than just what goes on in the pulpit. More than what goes on in the choir. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a 24-7 thing. I, I don't know where I was at the other day, but uh, we, we were talking and I was with Debbie and, and uh, I, I told her, I said, you know what I ought to tell people, you know, I said, well, I said, we ought to tell people that, you know, when we, when we go in a restaurant, we ought to tell people, you know, well, I'm an ambassador. you got a place for me to sit. I know a preacher that did that. He was with Tony Hudson, and, and the restaurant was absolutely packed. Carl Hatch, I believe it was, and, and uh, he said, uh, uh, we're ambassadors. And they put, they put him up, got him, got him a seat, went bypassed all. Now, how many people was waiting? Wait was about 45 minutes. Well, you, you got a seat for an ambassador? <laughs> we, and now what the Bible calls us? The ambassadors for Christ? Hey, look, now, now think about that. 
It's determined by the life lived and the worship offered by those who make up the body of a particular fellowship of faith. We ought to be concerned about our testimony personally. All of us ought to be concerned about our testimony collectively. And I think we are. I, I really think we are. Now look, I know they talk good about us down, down at Dunbar Intermediate. You know what I'm saying? I know they talk good about us, about up Sweetbriar. Follow what I'm saying? Uh, Lana said that they were talking good about us on the internet, at least that website that she was on. When we go offline just in a little bit, Jason, let me know. I, I want to say something tonight about, about something. Maybe it will help us. I don't know, but, but we do have a reputation, and I pray God it's right. But there's another side of this reputation. I don't want to just be known for the positive. I want to also be known for what I don't stand with and what I stand against. I mean, I mean, that's important, friend. That is so important. And boy, we could stay right there for a long time. Verse 9. Now, Paul's deepening this thing. I've been convicted here. He said, God is my witness. He just talked to them about how that he thanked God for them. But he said, God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. How many of you all, which I, God, get up here tonight and testify about my prayer life? Just let them know, Lord, what you know about me. You ever, somebody... You ever tell somebody, I'm praying for you, and you're not? Anybody ever been guilty of that? You know what I've learned over the years? And Lord, there's so much I need to learn, so I'm not bragging on what little bit I know. When people say, will you pray for me? Now, I do say I will, but you know what? When I'm thinking with any cognitive clarity, I begin to pray right then. I pray immediately while they're talking. I multitask. I say, God, you know my heart. You bless I don't know. And generally when I do that, they'll come back. Their name will come back to me. Let me tell you what else I do. Now, you young ones don't have any trouble with memories. You get older, you probably may. There are times in my prayer list when I've got somebody new, after about the third night, when I get to it, I may totally forget. And I'll say, Lord... You know that person is supposed to go right here in my prayer list. And that's why I'll pray till I get it back. I'll even do this if I happen to forget to pray. Say, Greg's going to have surgery tomorrow. And he said, will you pray for me tonight? And I said, well, yeah, I'll pray for you. And I had all intention of the word to pray for you. Thursday morning comes, Greg has surgery at 10 o'clock. I remember it at 12 and I go to the Lord in prayer. I believe God is able to take my after-the-fact prayers and make them retro in His eyes and apply them. Now, I mean that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not just blowing smoke. God knows our heart. But if I just blow it off, see, I'll pray for you with no intention. That's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. But, but, but I thought that amazing. Paul said, I call God to be my witness. Man, I'll tell you what, I've got a prayer life. It's not nearly as good as I'd like for it to be. It ought to be. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'd really hate to hear God's witness on my prayer life. Just be honest. Wendell. It certainly, certainly does. But I just, I just thought that phenomenal. He said, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son. Now, now, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. Notice there that that is a small letter S spirit. Y'all see that? 
When you read the Word of God and you see the word spirit that has a big uppercase letter S, what's it standing for? The Holy Spirit. So what is this spirit speaking of? His spirit, the spirit of man. But, here's the key to this, his spirit that has been generated by the Spirit of God. Somebody turn quickly to the book of Titus chapter 3 and read verse 5 really loud for the whole, for the whole class. If y'all want to go with them and read it while somebody's reading it, but, but read it really loud. That's what Paul said. That spirit that had died in him, that was dead, when Paul said we're dead in trespasses and sin. Um, 3, 5, read it please. Are you, are you Cooper? What's your name? Chad. I had to see you right anyway. We're glad to have you, by the way, son. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You, you know what? You know what the Greek word is there for regeneration? Now, y'all know I do English terrible, but every now and then I'll get a word right. In the Greek, it's palingenesia. I love that. I just, I love the way it feels on my in my mouth. Palingenesia. You know what that means? It means a new beginning. A new creation. Genesia. Genesis. Genesis. You get it? So that's what the Holy Spirit does when He comes in us to regenerate us. He gives life back to that spirit that had died in us. And that is what enables us to have a relationship with God Almighty. That is alive in us. That, that was birthed when we come to know Christ in the new birth. I love that. Paul said, I serve him. And y'all know what? Let me ask y'all something. Is, uh, is praying service? Is singing? Yeah. Anything we do for the glory of God. And, and, and I was growing up, you know, in the coal fields, and one of the common things, you know, for people to say about a man in the ministry you know, some people, ministers that you run into, other pastors or whatnot, are, are you, are you full-time or, or, or do, you, do you do, you know, part-time and secular, you know, do you part-time minister and do secular work? I, I never really could understand that. You know, my theory is if I'm saved, everything I do is spiritual. It's not just, it's just not, you know, either or. All of my life ought to be spiritual. Now, y'all looking at me kind of like you're not sure, like a calf looking at a new gate. There, there's no, you know, well, I'm here this and I'm over here I'm not. We're, we're, we're on the job or at church. We ought to be the same, spiritually speaking. Our, our life, listen, we've been quickened by the Spirit. We're living in the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. The Spirit is to guide us into all truth. It's not, it's not spiritual and secular. It's all spiritual when we're saved. Not convinced you, but anyway. He said uh, in the gospel of his son. Now, in this first, in this first chapter, and I'll, I'll just mention this and move on. Paul's going to mention the gospel four times. He introduced it as the gospel of God. Here it's the gospel of his son. Look at the uppercase S. He's emphasizing God's one-of-a-kind son. Now, I'm going to spend a moment on this. I've already, already told it to you once, maybe twice, from the pulpit, but it, it is so important. I, I, I need to mention it to you again. Years ago, somebody came up with the idea, and it was a false idea, it was a false truth, it was, it was not truth according to the Word of God. You, y'all remember that we're, quote, all the sons and daughters of God. Y'all remember that? Well, Jesus told somebody, he said, you're of the devil, you're of the father, that your father's the devil. Y'all remember that? We're all 
creations of God. He created us. I mean, he, that, that's His part. But we, listen friend, we don't all belong to the family of God until we're born into it. Now here's what they're saying nowadays. Their, their line of logic is really no logic because it's theologically unsound. But here's what they say. When we talk about, just where's it at? John 3, 16. God shall love the world gives His only begotten Son. That word only, that phrase only begotten Son means a unique one of a kind Son. And here, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you make that stand out. You put a capital letter S in front of that, front of that word Son. Because He is the unique, only begotten. He is the only begotten uh, uh, Son of God. We're all born into God's family. We're all sons and daughters. And by the way, we're not adopted into the family. We're birthed into the family. Adoption, friend, comes after we're birthed. I don't have time to explain it to you, but what it does is give you the rights of a full-grown son even when you're a baby. Have access to everything God has and God is. We're never adopted into His family. Everybody heard me say that. Please say amen. We are birthed into the family of God. Adoption, when you read it in the Word of God, doesn't mean what adoption meant to mine and Debbie's family when, when uh, Mandy and Rob brought in two little babies that they didn't birth. Okay, But Paul, Paul tells us here, what, what we're seeing today is, here's the logic of people. They're saying, now look, we know that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, but they say, we're born into His family, and now we are the sons of God. So you know what that means? That means we're just like Jesus. He's no longer, listen now, the only begotten Son of God, because we're sons of God. Hey, everybody, look at this. That, that's, just, that's just not true. It's not biblically sound. It's not theologically sound. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just crazy stuff. That's, that's what we're getting in these last days. And the reason I mention it again, I've heard it more than one time. Now, it's amazing what you can hear on the Internet. And let me tell you all something. Everything you hear isn't true. Newsflash. I can't help but say that every time. But anyway, it's amazing what people believe because they don't know the truth of the Word of God. We'll pick it up back there next week. Anybody comments? Founder. Well, that's a little different story, but yes, they are, Jessica. They are, and, and here's, their, here's their rationale. That Jessica said, aren't they saying because we are, you know, sons of God, aren't they calling us little gods? Now, Oprah calls herself a Christian, but she is a New Age proponent all the way. I don't care what she says. Anybody can say what they want to say. And by the way, New Age isn't new. It's been around since Babel. Been around since Genesis chapter 11 and the rebellion that started under Nimrod down in Babel. Been that long. But their idea, and the Bible says, you are gods in, in one of the Psalms. But look, everybody, the Word of God has to be rightly divided. You can't just reach in there and pull something out and make an application and think that it's right and real. But here's what they're saying in this day. Now, what, what's their logic? They're saying, God the Father is God, right? That's right. God the Son's God, 
right? And, yes, that's right. And, God the Holy Spirit is God, right? And, yeah, that's right. And they say, well, look, since God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit births us into His family then, and they're God, that means we are little gods. Wrong. We're sons and daughters. Look, we're, we're not teaching Latter-day Saint ideology. Y'all, y'all know what that is, don't you? The um, Mormons, thank you. That, that's what, that's, I mean, they... There's so much crazy stuff out there. That's why, listen, can I tell you and we're going to see. That's why we promote reading and studying the Word of God. If you know this, listen, it'll save you a lot of heartache. But if you're ignorant of the Word of God, I mean, there, there are churches that won't do a Bible study. But I, I don't ever want to be a part of a church that doesn't. I thank God for it. I thank God for our Sunday school where the Word of God is still taught in small groups well, they thought they were doing something great when they began to quote. Have these little small groups. We've been doing that for years. It just happens on Sunday morning. Y'all didn't like that or something, but anyway. We're ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve. I hope you got something out of it. Certainly, certainly do. Appreciate you. Let's pray for all of our brothers and sisters. A lot of folks sick, as you know. Let's stay and sing whatever Miss Don has. If you need to pray, want to pray, we invite you to come.